Okay, everyone. I'm recording this year alone. But in many ways, I'm thinking of all the people that have joined me over the years. This last year has been a year where I've taken somewhat of a hiatus from sharing shiurim in long form. And um, I felt particularly moved to, in a way, come out of of uh, my own little hiatus to share something. So even though we are not together, this share goes out to all of the Chabura and beyond. You know, the Gemara relates something very interesting. The Gemara in Shabbos, Daf Pei Zion, I think, Pei Ches, where there are quite a number of Gemaras that talk about the, the time that Kal Yisrael received the Torah. The Gemara says, Am Rabbi Shuv and Levi, there was a, <clears throat> and I got into a story that is told. Rabbi Shuv and Levi said that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, the angels, the Malachi Asharis, turned to Hashem and he said, What is this person who's birthed of woman doing in heaven? What is this being that is birthed? To be birthed means something very earthy, something that's not created in a purely metaphysical, mystical way, but to be birthed in a very human way to go through the gestational period of living and existing as a fetus inside of a woman and then being birthed. What is a physical, corporal, material, tangible human being doing in heaven? So God responds to the angels and he says he came to receive the Torah. So the angels get seemingly, uh, well, let's just say curious. And they say to Hashem, you know, the Torah is something that was so significant to you. The language of the Gemara is a treasure that is hidden or a treasure that has hidden secrets in it or a treasure that, <clears throat> that is so magnificent that it needs to remain hidden. And the angels say, this hidden treasure, you buried, you hid, you hid the hiddenness 974 generations prior to the creation of the world. The Torah is so magnificent and so beautiful and so divine and so heavenly and so transcendent that 974 generations prior to the creation of the world, you hid it out of such unbelievable uh, respect for its, its quality. And now you want to give it to man? And in their attempt to continue to insult the loneliness of man, the angels say, And they continue to go on and say that all of earth is looking towards heaven. All of earth is worshiping heaven. Man, what is man worth you God, remembering, you created them. Let them worship heaven. Let them know that there's such a thing as Torah. Let them worship the Torah. Let them worship all the magnificence that there is in heaven. You're going to give the Torah down to earth? 
what is man worthy of your remembrances? Why remember man in such a significant way to give them something that is so treasured, so beautiful, so magnificent, so transcendent, and so holy? Why are you giving that to man? And Hashem does something very interesting. You know, all this time that this conversation is going on, Moshe Ben is a bystander. He's standing on the side watching the angels bash all of humanity. Completely as a bystander, Hashem turns to Moshe Ben and says to Moshe Ben, reply to them and answer. Putting Moshe Ben on the spot completely. You know, like, what did Moshe do? He wasn't invited. He, he didn't ask to come there. He was invited to completely by Hashem. He followed the instructions of Hashem. He's sitting on the side. The angels are bashing all of human beings. They're talking about how beautiful the Torah is and how man's not worthy. And here Hashem says, respond to them and answer. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm afraid. Maybe they're right. I'm, I'm afraid, the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm afraid that they're going to burn me up with just the utterances of their mouth, not even their words. So Hashem reassures Moshe Rabbeinu and he says, hold on to my kisei akavod, and respond to them and answer. And the Gemara goes on to say that Moshe Rabbeinu responds to the angels and says, are you, are you capable of following Torah mitzvahs? Do you live in a tangible reality in any way, shape, or form? You can perform a mitzvah. Have you ever suffered or experienced hardships in your lives? Have you ever contended with the Sahara? Have you ever needed to make choices in life? You haven't done any of those things. And so the Torah, of course, is shy to us, and the angels are, are, are satisfied, and Hashem gives Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah. So I was thinking that there are some significant pieces in this Gemara. Let's start for a minute with the understanding that the Torah has four dimensions to it. And this is important for us. It's significant for all of us that are looking to attach and connect ourselves to the Torah specifically as a vehicle of serving Hashem. The four dimensions of Torah, of course, are, are known with the acronym of Pardes. Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. And they, of course, correspond to the four frequencies of Atsilos, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. The four dimensions of Limit Torah, the four dimensions of understanding Torah are Pshat, which is the basic simple meaning, the translation of the words, Drush, which is our ability to interpret the meaning of Torah, Remez, which is the ability to learn Torah through metaphor, hints, Ramazim, symbolism, and Said, which is the underpinnings, the intentions, the beauty and the soul of Torah. Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. Now most of us, especially those of us that have been raised going to yeshiva, are exposed to the world of Pshat and Drush. Pshat means 
What is the words Vayomer Lekem Amosha? What are the words Vaydabra Hashem Amosha mean? What does that mean? Bereshis Barlekim Asashmaivas Arts. What do those words mean? To read Pshat in Pasuk is part of Limanatara. To understand the simple translations and the meanings of the word Pshat is translation. Drush is interpretation. Drush is Talmud Bavli, is the Gemara. The Brisa teaches us Rabbi Shmuel Omer Bishloishes Ramida Tarn Adreshes Bahem. Rabbi Shmuel teaches us that there are thirteen ways of interpreting the Gemara. It's really based on Hillel Hazaken had seven, seven different ways. Rabbi Shmuel expanded it, really just reinterpreted or expanded the meaning of Hillel Hazaken's. Laws, so to speak, but laws of logic, laws of interpretation, deduction, inference, logic. Most of us understand the world of logic, the world of interpretation, the world of drush. For example, the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. Another way of reading that is, Bereshis, Hashem created a beginning. And with those words began the, the infinite clicking, ticking of the clock of time. Time is a forward-moving entity that every one of us in our lives contend with. Arguably, even though it's possible to look at logic outside of time, but our perception, our consciousness as human beings need to understand things within the realm of time. Cause and effect, time. Deduction requires time. Inference requires time. Time is an example of logic. Logic can really only work if our consciousness works with the forward-moving direction of time. Now, of course, people have the capacity to go back in time through memory. But for a moment, let's say that time is masculine. Time marches forward like an arrow. Direction, straightforward. When we think of logic, we have to think of it in terms of things working together. Things have to fit, things have to make sense. Logic is about fixed objective reality. If it doesn't make sense, it's not logical. If it's not logical, we discard it. This is the story of all of Gemara. The Gemara looks at a Pasuk and Chumash, and the Gemara asks a question, what does this Pasuk mean? Well, the Pasuk can't mean this because another Pasuk says that. And maybe the Pasuk means this because we had this teaching from this Tana, and then the Samaritan says that it doesn't work, so then you have to go back and find another justification for what the Pasuk seems to say. The 13 Midosh, and is our way of understanding our use of logic, which 
again, is required for us to be able to stop and think in order. How many times do we need to sit and learn a Gemara and slow our minds down to say, wait, I got to rethink this again. I got to understand the steps. First, there was a Havamina, then there was a Maskana. First, the Gemara entertained a possible hypothesis and a theory, then the Gemara attempted to reject it. Then the Gemara refined the theory, then the Gemara rejected that refinement, then the Gemara went back to a different kind of theory, and then finally the Gemara came out with an, a certain understanding. The flow of logic there is a forward-moving direction that in our consciousness works through time. Voracious bar lekimis ha-shemaylis Hashem created the world with time. And time as a forward-moving entity which underlies all of our experiences is masculine, objective, seeking truth. And even when we look at the Gemara, the Gemara begins really with the Psukim. The Gemara is attempting to unpack something that was already there. In other words, let's say it this way. The Gemara is attempting to explain the present reality of the Torah. The Torah is here. The Torah is present. The Torah, in a certain way, has already been given. And now, thousands of years later, we are going backwards to unpack the meaning, to try to understand how does the Torah actually make sense. In some way, we can say, that once the Torah was given, the Torah was revealed. Once the Torah was revealed, it becomes a fixed state of reality. All of Torah Shabbat Sav is an attempt to explain how the fixed reality of Torah can be. Again, let's say this again. Once the Torah was given and the Torah was explained, once the Torah was given and we understand Pshat, the reality was don't cook milk and meat together. That reality was expressed at Har Sinai. That reality was expressed in the Torah. And all of Torah Shabbat is simply trying to come to unpack and explain the details of that. And all the generations of Halacha and all the Minhagim that we have that bring us to the year 2023 is all an attempt to explain that which was revealed in the words, the revelation of which happened already thousands of years ago. But the Gemara's attempt is to try to explain what does it mean? How do we know? What are the parameters of what it means? Let's unpack the words. Let's understand what's, what's being told to us. All of that attempt at understanding all of that process of looking back at that which was already revealed and using that Torah, using that as a trajectory to move all the way into our reality today in life, that the words is applied to us in the year 2023 and the way that we keep our kitchens and the way that we are makbid to not combine mochiks and fleshiks together and we wait this amount of time after we eat fleshiks. All of that 
development of Tarshabah Peh goes forward, developing and consistently growing in our understanding of what those words, all happens through the world of drush, of explanation, of interpretation, with the flowing movement of time heading in a futuristic direction. And so what we have is a complete picture. In the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth. That beginning began the clock, a forward-moving direction towards the future in which eventually the Torah was given and eventually Chazal were given the capacity to interpret and unlock what the Torah means and to unpack what the Torah means and the continuous development and evolution of our understanding, not the evolution of Torah, of our evolution of understanding as the, as the world moves and as the world becomes grows quicker and quicker and quicker and life changes our understanding of what the Torah initially meant grows and our capacity to live with the Torah as a living breathing document grows all of this takes place through the world of drush and all of this forward movement and all of this capacity to interpret I'm going to say is masculine this is the masculine energy of logic this is the masculine energy of future developing understanding and unpacking of what the revel the revelation of means. Now, lest you think I've packed too much into this, let's go to the feminine. Because again, the Gemara that we just learned says very specifically that the Malachim wanted to know ma liyalud isha benenu. What is this being that is born of woman doing here? What is this being that is born of woman doing here? So already we're beginning to see in this Gemara that the Gemara somehow wants to allude to femininity. The Gemara wants to allude something to the feminine nature of all of humanity. And so now let's move from the world of Drush to the world of Ramez. And in order to do that, let's let's talk about a very different way of learning, a very different way of understanding. And of course, we are drawing a juxtaposition between the masculine and the feminine. Another way of saying this is we are drawing a, a distinction between the objective and the subjective. And this is where things can, can feel scary to some degree, but we need to embrace it with tremendous, tremendous vulnerability and strength. Because in the world of subjectivity, in the feminine aspects of Limit Atara, what we're talking about is metaphor. Jung used the word myth and was very clear that when he talks about the myths, the mythology of religion, he's not calling anything fake. But what he's saying is, is that we need to look at things with the eyes of understanding myth. Because the eyes that look at myth do not look for an attempt to explain things logically, do not look for an attempt to understand the objective truth of things, but instead the subjective meaning of things. 
In the world of metaphor, the question is not how does this fit or how does this make sense? In the world of metaphor, the question becomes, what does this mean to me? How do I sense this? How do I experience this? How do these things influence me? How do they change me? What are they inviting me for? What's hidden in there? The angels say to God, the Torah is something that is a hidden treasure, a hidden treasure that you hid. The actual language of the Gemara, a hidden treasure that you hid for yourself. 947 generations before you created the world. And you want to give it to a Basar Vadam? You want to give it to man? The hiddenness of the Torah is the world of Remez. Before we get to Said, because Said is the revelation of what of what Remez is about, but Remez is really not just the entrance into the world of Said. Remez is its own universe. And in the world of Remez, everything is possible. In fact, in the world of Remez, time doesn't matter. Because in the world of metaphor, there's no direction. There's no cause and effect. Anyone that's ever learned the Torah from Rabbi Nachman will see that Rabbi Nachman doesn't say one thing causes the next. Rabbi Nachman says, zu b'china zu. These are aspects of each other. The direction of cause and effect is irrelevant. It's the relationship between things. And the tunnel that is multidirectional of how things influence each other. Ideas, concepts, sukkum in the Torah. There is no drush in the world of Ramaz. There is no question of how does this make sense? Why is this? What is this here for? How does this jive with that? In the world of Remez, contradictions are embraced. Because contradictions means that there's tension. And if there's tension, it means that there's possibility for more, for growth, for expansion, for capacity, for the art of becoming. You see, in the world of Remez, we have the capacity to break out of all of the bonds of what we think reality is. Chem de Gnuza Shegnuzalach. And here Hashem responds, but he doesn't respond to the angels. And he says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you want to receive the Torah, if you want to receive the Torah, you yourself have to answer this question. And Hashem gives him a very, very odd kind of response. And he says to them, he says to Moshe Rabbeinu, return to them an answer. And I think that the words means is Hashem is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, you as a human being have a capacity to return time backwards. You have a capacity to return and throw all of reality up into question. 
the Malachim are challenging you and saying to you, what is man worth your remembrances? Man is forward thinking. Man only has the capacity to think forward. Man only has the capacity to move in the direction of time. Man is bound by logic. Man needs to see things only in his capacity of the Shleishes or Midah only in the capacity of of understanding the theoretical and analyzing the logical and coming to the intellectually derived objective truth. But the Torah, the Torah is a chem de genusa. The Torah is filled with mysterious treasures. You're going to give it to man? You're going to give it to Basar Vadam? You're going to give it to this low being? Man has no capacity for, mem- for memory. Man has no capacity to go backwards. Man has no capacity to expand their consciousness, to see reality beyond the fixed nature of logic, the fixed nature of time. So Hashem says to Moshe, show them that you have the capacity to go backwards. Show them you have the capacity for tshuva. What does tshuva mean? Tshuva means that if I did A, the logical response to A is to say, Okay, if I did A, I must be labeled as person A. If I did A, I must find a way that this particular act fits in with the rest of who I am. If I did A and A is wrong, then I'm a wrongdoer. And if I did A, which is an Avera, it somehow contradicts everything else about me that are every other mitzvah that I've done. In the logical reality, Every Avera that I do knocks my status down to some level. But the capacity to do tshuva, the consciousness to do tshuva, is the capacity to look beyond that within myself and to say, no, I don't know where A comes from. I did an Avera's nichnas be roshtos. Some kind of something came over me. But that's not who I am. And I don't need to find a way to make sense of all of my Averas. The logical, rational thinking mind is not what I'm using to look at myself. I am going to look at myself outside the bounds of rationale. I'm going to look at myself outside the bounds of the very masculine, forward-thinking, objective nature of time. I, instead, am going to look at myself metaphorically. And so I'm going to look at the material world as a metaphor. What I see in reality is only a metaphor. What I see in materiality is only a metaphor for the mystical, for the spiritual. And what I see in the mystical is only a metaphor for godliness. Because my capacity to work, to learn the world of Remes, the capacity to see metaphor in things, is the capacity to expand our meaning in life. And to see things beyond the rationale, and to see things beyond time. You know, I think I've shared this with you before. Many of us were raised to hear that everything is found in the Torah. And it's fascinating when we see scientists or teachers show us a remez 
in the Torah for cancer or for some, you know, psychological wisdom or some kind of foretelling of future events. It's exciting. But for many of us, as we grow through life, we get a little bit skeptical and say, you know what, accounting, nobody, nobody can find a manual for how to work Excel in the Torah. Nobody uh, can show you a three-step process for filing your taxes in the Torah. So don't tell me that everything comes from the Torah. That's what our skeptical minds would say. But you know, the truth of the matter is, in a deeper way, the giving of Torah into this world is Hashem saying, just like I have given oxygen for human beings to breathe, and I've given food for human beings to absorb nutrients, and I've given heat for people to stay warm. I have given Torah into the world, not just for the Jews to learn. I have given Torah into the world because the Torah has the energy for all of consciousness. Histaka ba'iraisu bari'alma means that before any human consciousness, before the world can have any sense of awareness of anything, there needs to first be a Torah. The existence of the Torah in the world is the, is, is the capacity for all human beings to know anything, for all human consciousness, because the Torah is the source that all human consciousness emanates from, all intellectuality emanates from. It's not that there are 13 midos that the Torah is allowed to be is allowed to be nadreshes behen. It's that the Torah has the capacity for drush. The Torah is what gives human beings, every human being, a researcher in South Africa, a Baptist minister in Greensboro, a Muslim. Forget the word. A Muslim preacher in the middle of Iran, and lahavdal el fafi avdalas. Those people that are that are Davik and Libera Torah in their whole lives, all of capacity for humanity to experience logic, thought, awareness, deduction, shot, remez, jush, said, and anything in life emanates from the Torah. That is the Kayak of Torah. It's not just about studying Torah. Hashem said, I want humanity to experience the beauty of wisdom of thinking, of ideas, of the capacity to expand their consciousness. Pshat, Remes, Drush, and Said, I want man to have the capacity of Pshat, of being able to be aware of what the reality is. Drush, to be able to infer and deduce and use logic to come up with all kinds of understandings of objective reality. I mean, the capacity of Drush in the world, look at where we are today. The world has never, ever been as advanced as it is, and it's moving at a at a rapid pace faster than ever before. And what I want to highlight is the world of Remez, which is man's capacity for metaphor, to see things through the lens of possibility, through imagination and curiosity, and to wonder about life, to wonder about oneself, to wonder about what's possible in all of reality. Mali Yelud Isha 
The angels wanted to know, what is this man who's born of woman? The significance of that is, what is the feminine element doing up here in heaven? But there's some hint to that. The angels saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was coming up to receive the Torah. It wasn't simply just about man taking the Torah and destroying its beauty by simply turning it into some intellectual exercise. But the angels already understood that there's something about the feminine nature, the world of remez, the world of metaphor, the world of birth, the world of possibility, the world of association, and not necessarily cause and effect, the beauty of the imagination, the capacity for curiosity, the capacity to intuit and sense something that's beyond. And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, return to them, return all of reality. Because you human beings are gifted, not just with the capacity to be forward moving, with the masculine direction of logic and time, but you also have the capacity to turn all of reality into something that is way beyond any, any masculine imagination. My bracha to all of us as we enter into this world of Shavuos, but it's really for, for any, every one of us when we encounter the Torah to understand. There's a whole world of remez to be able to live in the mystery and the magic of what your imagination can take you to. The imagination is the place where the soul soars. To be curious and not judgmental, as Walt Whitman once said. And to see that Hashem wants each and every one of us to learn shot in Pusik with our own imagination, with our own capacity for metaphor, with our own curiosity to ask questions like, what does it mean to me? How does this feel for me? How does this change my life? What is the significance of this? In what way can I be inspired by this without someone else telling me this is what it means? But for me to read and learn with my eyes and my ears and my heart open to be interested, to expand my consciousness, to expand my sense of self. Can I look at myself and understand the things about myself as metaphoric? Can I look at my actions and say, my actions look like they are all that there is, but maybe there's some metaphor hidden in there, in my fantasies, in my desires, in all those things in my life that work for me and don't work for me. Is there something metaphoric in there for me? Can I look at my life as a myth? Perhaps there's something so much greater that I'm not realizing because I'm so stuck in the masculine without the feminine. So my bracha to all of us is that, you know, there's something so beautiful about reading Rus, the story of a woman. And there's something so beautiful about this old minog we have to dress the shuls up with flowers. There's so much femininity that's oozing out of this yantiv. Even eating cheesecake. <laughs> I don't know, I personally would rather eat meat and wine. But eating cheesecake feels so feminine to me. The capacity for each and every one of us to live in the world of Remez, which is scary. It's scary for the uninitiated. It's scary to think about. It's controversial to talk about. 
but for us to not neglect that wondrous, magical capacity to imagine and be curious and be open and be interested in what is the personal meaning behind every element of Torah, because that's what the Torah is asking of us. And that's what Hashem is saying to Marish Rabbeinu, if you want to receive the Torah, you need, you need to respond. You need to be able to exist in this world of Hikzor Lehem Tshuva, of Remez, of Tshuva, of returning all of reality and turning all of time over on its head. So my bracha to each and every one of us is that through that Kayach of Remez, that Hashem is Maramis to us, how much He loves us. Hashem is Maramis to us that this Golas is really an attempt and a march towards Geula. And Hashem should make the Geula, which is metaphoric for each and every one of us in our own successes in life, and to turn that Remez into the ultimate truth where all of masculinity and femininity come back together to the wholeness of being Mechabal the Torah through the eyes in the world of Mashiach. We should be Zaycha to that time from Herbi Amenu, Aketyantiv, Aketyantiv.